Welcome to PM Chats, a podcast where I have casual conversations with product managers. I'm your host, Bree Morgane, and I head up content marketing at Canny.io. We're putting product managers front and center to see what makes them tick. We'll learn about their challenges, lessons learned, and ins and outs of successful product management to empower PMs and founders to build better products. In today's episode of PM Chats, I spoke with Sarisha, who's a product manager at Uber. She's been a PM for nearly 10 years now and comes from a software engineering background. She previously worked at Samsung, Adobe, and Yahoo, as well as a variety of startups. Outside of work, she volunteers at her kid's school, and she also volunteers mentoring early-stage PMs. Sarisha had so many good insights to share, and one of my favorite things that we touched on is how, as a PM, there's often a desire to jump in and kind of prescribe a solution, but the reality is that's not always what a good PM should be doing. So I'll let you hear it in her own words, and I hope you enjoy listening. One of the first things that I like to chat about is in terms of your career trajectory. I know that product management has a lot of different routes that people go through to get into the role. Can you speak on that a little bit? Yeah, sure. So I would say I probably took a very cliched path. I was an engineer when I started out. I was in professional services and then I was a big data engineer at Yahoo. And I would say I stumbled upon product management as I went through. I moved into program management because my team did not have a project manager per se. And then I started working with product management and I realized what a product management meant. And then I moved into a product team to support them from a program perspective. And that's how I organically grew into product management. So everything that I learned has been through experience, through looking at other product managers work and how I interact with them, how they interacted with me. So I would say it's been a learning curve, but a very great one. And it seems like what you're saying is that initially it was based on a need on a team. There was a Correct. There was a strong need for someone in that role. Exactly. We didn't have a product manager or a project manager and I stepped up and that one thing led to the other and then I just moved into product management. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting that note of having there be like a real need for that is a common thread that I've heard from folks. Are there any things that you wish you'd known when you got started because you did come in through this interesting path? Is there anything you wish you'd known beforehand? Yeah, I would say if I had known the importance of soft skills, okay. <laughs> product managers should have to be successful on their role, I would have probably prepared myself a little better. I've had some experiences where I learned afterwards that maybe I should have done something different then. And then I learned and then went back and fixed it. I did have people who helped me in my career, but I probably did not ask the right questions. Mm-hmm. So it, I would say the most important thing for a product manager to be successful is soft skills. And there's no university that teaches you that. Yeah. The more you are actually learning about those offline and trying to learn from experiences and incorporate those learnings in subsequent interactions. I think that's probably something that if I had known earlier, I would have probably done a better job at. Can you speak to any of that in a little bit more detail? Do you have any examples of, doesn't even have to be personal experience, but times where you're like, oh, this was like an area where soft skills were really much more important. Yeah, I would probably say communication skills, both written and oral, getting everybody on the same page. I think as an engineer, you assume that you speak in a meeting, everybody's on the same page, you go back and just do what is assigned to you. Mm -hmm. But as a product manager, you need to make sure that everybody is on the same path with you. They're continuing to travel with you. And which means that you need to do periodic check-ins with folks and make sure that 
the narrative that you gave them on day one is still continuing to be that in their mind and nothing has changed and they're still onboarded with you. I think that frequent communication, which I have not done probably in my very early projects as a product manager, meant that a couple of weeks later, I go back to the team and say, hey, we discussed this a couple of weeks back. Are we all on the same page? And then what they have built out or what they were delivering is something different from what mm-hmm. we had discussed on day one. So I think the narrative evolves. So as a product manager, I learned that you got to keep periodic check-ins and be with your team on the journey rather than just do the upfront communication and then step back and let them just go mm-hmm. do what they need to do. So not just communication, but communication throughout the entire process and being able exactly. to build that kind of into your systems. And exactly. Both. Yeah. Okay. Not just your team, I would say even with your stakeholders, if they're very important stakeholders, be it your leadership or be it your cross-functional teams or even your customers, don't have a conversation and forget it. Maybe Mm -hmm. follow up with a write-up, follow up with meeting notes, do periodic check-ins and all those would make sure that you're not actually having to see surprises sometime in the future. Mm -hmm. And just to keep going on this a little bit more, what... Is there anything you've learned that you would say is a good strategy for if you do encounter that? You're like, okay, so we actually really aren't on the same page here. Like aside from just setting that from day one and making sure that you're continuing, you know, to be on the same page throughout the process. If you get in a room and people are on vastly different pages, how do you handle that? So I would say start with always written communications help. I might say something and I might actually mean something, but the other person might interpret it differently. So it's always good to write things down. And always follow up your meetings with written notes. And so when there are conflicts, it's always good to pull up those notes and identify where did things go wrong. Mm -hmm. Maybe you actually wrote it down differently. So you actually have a proof to actually look through and have a pivot for your conversation with whoever is not on the same page with you. So Mm -hmm. I would say over communicate is always better with your core working team so that you are all working towards the same goal. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, that's great. And that seems it's a built-in process. Like ideally it should be just like a process that's built in throughout the whole exactly. whole thing. And if those things do come up, you have these processes in place, like making sure you're documenting everything really well so that you can refer back to that. Exactly. I think one thing that I've also learned is even one-on-ones with your key teammates, I always have a working doc for them. So even during the week, let's say something comes up that you need to have a conversation with somebody just put it on your doc so that you know that, hey, this is a topic I need to discuss with you and they come prepared with something. Mm -hmm. So there is always a reference point for everybody to look at any point in time to refresh your memory or make changes to the execution style or even explaining the problem statement as a PM Mm -hmm. also requires a good narrative. So just putting that on a return document helps the team understand and go back and refer to every time they have a question and you're probably not available as a PM. Mm Yeah. And it seems like that's definitely one of those things that you would have had to learn as you're going. That's not something that someone's going to tell you right off the bat. This is going to be really important. Are there any other, are there any areas like that where you feel like you made some mistakes or areas where you've seen kind of other PMs make mistakes that you would point to as here's a thing to try to avoid if you're early in your career? I would say, I think a lot of PMs actually jump into solutioning right away. And I think that is something as an early PM, you probably need to make sure you're not doing say you're coming from a design background or an engineering background, your job is to actually take the problem statement and break down the problem statement into sizable chunks so that your respective teams, it could be somebody on marketing, somebody in uh, engineering, somebody in design or data science, to take that problem statement and build the solution out for you 
mm-hmm. rather than as a pm you should not be prescribing the solution i think i've seen a lot of pms make that mistake of just jumping into solution without really making sure that they have understood the problem as well as they have communicated the problem to their team that's the most important step a pm should be doing and i can't emphasize enough step away from solutioning on day one just take the problem break it down explain it make sure everybody understands the problem before you go into the next phase of your project mm-hmm. and it seems like that's a difference too of going in and being very prescriptive and being like i'm the one who knows and this is what we're doing exactly. and i'm going to direct everything versus just being like here's where we are here are all the different disparate pieces let's figure Correct. it out there yeah yeah and a pm is not somebody who knows everything i think that's also something that i've seen think of the pm as somebody who empowers all your cross functional teams with the right information so that they do their job in the right way and also pm sometimes think i am the one who's supposed to bring all the ideas to the table and which is not true you might not be the one who's coming up with all the cool ideas there are people on the team who will have cool ideas mm. and your goal is to make sure that all those come together in a nice way you're able to gather that feedback from the team and then be able to dissect the problem make sure that is truly a problem right an engineer might say hey i think this is a problem but have a way to take that problem evaluate if it's truly a problem do we need to work on it and think of it from a, a holistic perspective rather than assume that i am the one who needs to bring all the problems to the table mm-hmm. that you need to be the one who has the ultimate solution for everything correct mm-hmm. you're not the one yeah. if you are able to get the team together with you that's when you're successful as a pm you're fulfilling that facilitating role as opposed to exactly. just, you know in a prescriptive way being like here's the answer exactly What do you do if you are in an instance where you mentioned getting multiple stakeholders in the room if there if you are in an instance where there's a disconnect between what someone thinks the problem is what someone else thinks the problem is or some very vocal voices who think the solution should be one thing versus something completely different how do you help facilitate that So I guess let's first maybe go back to the problem statement itself mm-hmm. right so if there is a discrepancy of what people think the problem is I think depending on what kind of product it is if it's a b2c and you have a lot of users you always have data to prove mm-hmm. what the problem is so lean in on your data science team member or if you as a pm have access to data and you are able to bring up those insights yourself then use that data to actually prove what the real problem is and get everybody aligned on that so i would say make that a data driven decision rather than my perspective is your perspective mm-hmm. and if it's a b2b kind of a product then think about what conversations you've had with your customers and your stakeholders and use those data points to identify the true problem maybe you had a previous connect with your customers and you identified a problem there so i think make it a more of a data driven decision making rather than my opinion versus your opinion kind of thing mm-hmm. and also when it comes to solutions on what we need to build it is a very tricky thing that's probably where a lot of the soft skill and influencing skills of pm comes into play if you find that a conversation is just going out of hand in a room then i would take the feedback from everybody and structure the feedback in a way and maybe take that feedback to your customers or to your stakeholders maybe it's a very interesting problem that you want user research to go plug into and you maybe give that problem to user research if you want them to help you with identifying the right things to build so i would say dissect your feedback from the team in a good way and also sometimes there might be low hanging fruit that's okay to plug it in if you think it might not have high value but it might delight your customers and there's not data to prove it but let's say your engineer says i'm able to just build it out in a day and i will give it to you because i'm passionate about it 
sometimes it's okay to make those compromises mm-hmm. right as long as your final mvp product or your product milestone is not impacted mm-hmm. and it seems like the big thing that you're emphasizing throughout a lot of what we've been talking about so far but here especially too is that you're wrapping back around to let's all get on the same page about what the problem is let's bring data to so we can actually support what we think the problem is and if there are differing opinions about what the solution should be presenting them all to everyone but then again wrapping back around to what problem are we trying to solve with all of these solutions correct i guess one thing i also want to state is say everybody's on the same page and sometimes there are folks let me be one or two people in the room who are probably not on the same page then maybe it's better to like end your conversation there and tell them let's take it offline mm-hmm. in the interest of time and then take a conversation with them outside of the room and talk to them and just get them aligned sometimes they might refuse to align but as long as you agree that we will continue to disagree on this and just move back and say okay let's table this let's see how this milestone goes and then if based on the data we can maybe bring this back but let's put it in the backlog right mm-hmm. so i think it's sometimes hard to get everybody on the same page and get that consensus but you need to identify the point where you have enough people on the same page and you think you have enough data to prove your point then maybe have these side conversations to sort things out Mm-hmm. And yeah, definitely seems like that is where, like you were saying, the soft skills are going to come into exactly. play there in a way that you're yeah. just going to have to feel out case by case and probably position by position, I would imagine. Exactly. There's no unifying way to be like, this is how you do that. Yeah. Yeah. To switch to uh, a little bit more of a technical conversation, can we talk a little bit about prioritization, both in terms yeah. of just like in general, what you would say helps and hurts there. And then if you have any specific things you can point to around, I would recommend that you do this or don't do this. Yeah, I think prioritization would depend on the kind of product you are run and also the phase of the product. Mm-hmm. So on a B2C product versus B2B, maybe let's just double click on both those. Mm-hmm. In B2C, you will always have a lot of uh, data to help you with your uh, roadmap and prioritization mm-hmm. as long as you have instrumented your product. So I think a PM 101 is any product that you're launching, make sure that you have the right instrumentation in place so that you're able to identify future problems to build out and also identify if your product is a success. So use data to identify what your roadmap is and also continue to work with other channels where you're probably hearing voice of your customer. So some of the voice of customer channels are maybe app store feedback uh customer service feedback and also maybe forums and social media channels mm-hmm. so figure out a way to get all those insights about your product and use that to periodically groom your backlog or pr- groom your prioritization framework mm-hmm. so that's on the b2c side on the b2b side i would say you need to make sure that you're engaged with your customers on a periodic basis you probably have account managers who work with these customers make sure you're on these calls with them to see the customer pain points their feedback maybe there are like monthly or quarterly business reviews where you can make sure that you get that feedback from customers mm-hmm. and there are also these concepts like innovation games which are used when you're working with b2b customers where you can give them uh, attend different set of features and have them help you prioritize that Mm-hmm. so they would actually rank prioritize that and there's a very healthy discussion between your customers and you're the facilitator and you gather all your data that you need from those conversations and then both of these so i guess it's a different challenge in both as someone who works for a company that does a customer feedback tool this is 
lovely to hear. <laughs> but in terms of how you, so you've gotten all those inputs, but you have a good sense from, from your customers, you're hearing what they're saying. What do you do then when you have all that data? Where, where do you go from there? Identify what your North Star metrics for your company are. And mm-hmm. any feature that you build should be moving a metric that eventually moves your company metric. So let's say growth is your company metric and you're launching a feature which might have a secondary metric attached to it, make sure that in some way influences growth. So if you're able to map that journey of your business metrics on how they are moving and you're able to size the impact in some form based on instrumentation you have done, then that's probably one data point that you can use to rank and prioritize your features. Mm -hmm. Also, sometimes there are features that are delight for customers, which will probably long-term help your customer growth might not make an immediate impact. I think striking the right balance between the two based on the resourcing that you have, based on how important your company priorities are. Let's say your company is bleeding money and efficiency is the core goal for your team. Then maybe you want to table your delight features Mm -hmm. for a quarter and make sure you build in most efficiency that you can. So I guess as long as you're mapping your prioritization with your company metrics, and you're able to have secondary metrics that aligns with each of your features, these would be your key uh, data points that you need to use when you're building that framework out. In terms of when you're actually doing that process, you have all of that information. How many folks do you wrap in early on? Like how many stakeholders do you typically suggest wrapping in like very early on in that discussion process? Would you keep it more technical or would you wrap in like more folks so they can give input during that process? I guess it depends on how mature your organization is and how many stakeholders you have. So in my current team, we have, we work at Uber with all the regions. So we do have a very structured intake process, if Mm -hmm. I may call that, where all the regions actually throw feedback to us during our planning cycles. So leading to your planning cycle, there's an upfront intake process that a program team drives and they gather all the insights for the PM team to start looking at. So that's a very mature and very well flushed out process. Mm -hmm. But let's say you're more like an early product life cycle, then you should be always working with your customers every time. That's not just in any phase, but for any product, you should be periodically in touch with your customers and you should continuously always have a backlog that is groomed or which is available for you to look at. So I would say it depends also on how engaged your stakeholders are. Some stakeholders are very proactive and very communicative. Some are not. So identifying the right mix of stakeholders to talk to is probably also key based on your ecosystem. Yeah, it obviously just is such a big thing too around, like you're saying, uh, (laughs) the maturity of your process there. You have a very structured process that you're describing versus some kind of earlier stage startups are going to maybe have a single PM and it's going to be just a lot different in terms of how that all works out. Yeah, and I guess one thing also, a lot of times PMs become very reactive. So say somebody tells you, hey, this is not working then you immediately jump onto that, try mm-hmm. to fix it. And that also adds confusion to the people working on the team. As a PM, your job is also to, somebody tells you that this is a feature I need built out, be it an exec, be it a stakeholder, be it somebody on the team, take a more step back, look at it and see if it's truly a problem or is it a one-off thing? Is it impacting only you as a user? It could also be an exec coming and saying, hey, this didn't work for me, just go fix it. You shouldn't just be picking up features based on whoever is telling you. Take a step back, evaluate it, and then identify whether it's truly something that needs to be fixed. Yeah, that's really interesting because it almost seems like you're describing being like a gut check for 
when people bring things to you, not to just be like, okay, great, let's build that. But to be like, okay, let's go back to the problem. Like, is this actually like solving a problem that we have? Do we really need this right now? And exactly. serving that role. That's really, that's interesting. Uh, question that I like to ask folks. One of the reasons I started this podcast is because my background is in SaaS. My background is in marketing, but I don't have a PM background. That's not my area of expertise. And that is a big subsection of our audience at Canny. And I found that a lot of the content out there was not the best. <laughs> it didn't really feel like it was written by anyone who had a lot of personal experience in product management. So I'm curious, do you have any resources? Do you have any blogs or do you like, do you go to Twitter? Do you listen to podcasts? Like when you were learning about the PM role, is there anywhere that you turn to for information? Yeah, I would say when I started, I probably started following a lot of LinkedIn influencers mm -hmm. okay. to start with. And then there are some really good newsletters that I follow. So one is the Silicon Valley product group, SVPG. They okay. have these weekly newsletters and then there's lean product meetup current zoom world is probably on zoom i'm guessing yeah. <laughs> but in those days it used to be a meetup where you could actually go listen to a speaker and also interact with other folks who have come to uh, the meetup mm -hmm. so that was one area where i used to try to go at least every other week to listen to other experienced pms mm -hmm. and then the one podcast that i've always enjoyed is it's an awesome podcast and I, probably the one thing i miss in the covid time is my drive time to work listening sure. to that podcast. Yeah. The founders talk about how they actually identified the wrong problem and build the wrong solution and then had to take a step back. So it actually resonates very well from a product management perspective. Mm -hmm. And I would recommend that for anybody. And then there's also the women in product Facebook group, which is where I probably met you. Yeah. And I hear a lot of content and questions on that, which is very interesting too. Mm -hmm. And I guess based on the face of your career, you can pick the right content from that group as well. Yeah. And it seems like all of, there's like kind of a common thread throughout most of the uh, channels that you're describing where it's based on just hearing from other folks who are in the role and just doing networking, but more in a let's share experience kind of way. Exactly. Cool. And I think on the soft skills thing that you touched upon, HBR, the Harvard Business Review, they share a lot of good articles periodically. Mm -hmm. And a lot of them are about influencing without power, how to manage your time and all those other details. I think those mm -hmm. are pretty good articles too, to read and see if those apply to your life as well. Mm -hmm. And it supplements in that way. Yeah. 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 One last question that I thought of when you mentioned in COVID times, obviously we're all just moving increasingly more remote, never more yeah. so than now. Have you noticed any kind of challenges in doing product management successfully in a remote climate? Is that harder or are there any tools you would recommend to make it easier? I would probably say there are two things that are challenging. One is that whole whiteboard concept, right? Hey, let's get into a room. Let's whiteboard something. Let's come up with an idea. Mm -hmm. I think that's not the same anymore. So maybe in, our, in my team, we do a Zoom whiteboard, but it's still not the same. Yeah. Right? I think that's probably one thing that I haven't found the right solution to it. And I'm sure everybody's struggling with that. That's probably something that needs to evolve mm -hmm. a little better with tools and also how do we discuss, prepare for the jams. Earlier, it would be, hey, let me get into the room and just chat with this person. Now, you need to make an effort and make sure that you're prepared well enough to make that conversation valuable. Mm. And then the second part is also the whole concept of, as a product manager, you're talking to so many people in the company. You're maybe just walking by somebody's desk, getting an answer. I think that's missing. Now it's like every conversation has an effort of setting up a Zoom call, mm -hmm. right? So that effort might sometimes add, create friction between the conversations. So you just need to become more proactive and reach out to people rather than bumping into somebody in the corridor, have these water cooler conversations, which are not happening anymore. Yeah, it's more structured. And I feel more like it's, almost, it's, it's interesting around like, 
maybe, yes, it is more structured, but maybe breaking down the expectation that it has to be more structured. I feel like I've seen a lot more, hey, do you want to just jump on a call real quick kind of conversation versus let's have a meeting. And so being able to almost adapt that drop-in for Zoom culture is a weird challenge. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I think those are the main things I would say people are learning. And I think we've come a long way where I see my team was like nine months back. I think we've come leaps and bounds today. You learn through experience. We did our whole 2021 planning on Zoom. We did our customer meetups on Zoom. So yeah, we've gotten better. We learned our lessons and we we changed our way of doing things. Do you have any kind of maybe final words, a little bit of advice for someone who is say like you were just stepping into the role because it's a need within the company or is starting out in their career? What's one thing that you would say, like, make sure you keep this in mind? I would say the big thing of a PM role is to influence without power. And the more you're able to do that, and it's not something anybody can teach you, it's probably something that's inherent to you as a person. So learn from others, see how others in the meetings do, maybe have a mentor who can, with whom you can bounce your ideas off. Mm-hmm. Maybe you're stuck at a dead end and you need some ideas. Always have some kind of group of mentors you can bounce ideas off of. That's probably the biggest thing that's needed to be successful as a PM. You can take courses, you can go to university, read books and learn all that. But influencing without power is something that you're going to learn on the job. But I guess keep your eyes open and get those learnings through every interaction that you have. Thank you. This has been perfect. This has answered all my questions and this has been lovely. Thanks for listening to PM Chats. If you have questions or comments, or you've got someone in mind you think I should have a chat with, or if you'd like to share your expertise, please feel free to send me an email at brie at canny.io. Reviews are great too. We're just starting this podcast out, and I'd really love to hear what you have to say. If you'd like to learn more about Canny, head over to canny.io, or check out the Canny blog at canny.io slash blog. Thanks again for listening, and I hope you'll catch the next conversation here on PM Chats. Thank you.